Alex fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we're going to get you wrapped up on the action this last week with the Ducks games, which uh, were kind of kind of some crazy games uh, that the Ducks won one, lost one in regulation, lost another in overtime, or actually in a shootout. And we're going to cover those. We're going to go over the uh, trade deadline and all the... Um, Fantastic moves that the Ducks did make. I know a lot of you up there are very, very upset uh, that the Ducks hardly did anything, only picking up two players here in the last couple days and obviously not big-name players. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Murray's comments. He had a little uh, press conference after the trade deadline. Uh, and what he thinks, and <laughs> we're going to definitely critique it. And I'm sure a lot of you listening out there are going to want to hear the critique. So going back to last week, Eddie, uh, the Ducks had uh, a game against Dallas. They were on a... Um, three-game uh, win streak. They, you know, we talked about this being the game, the tough game of the week. They actually got shot outshot in this game, forty-one to seventeen. They still pulled this game out. They got an early power play goal by Hampus Lindholm. Um, a crazy sequence in that third period where Dallas had four power plays in a row. They had almost three minutes of uh, three on uh, uh, five on three power play, and uh, Getzloff gets that crazy <laughs> shorthanded goal, which makes it two nothing, and. The Ducks continued the win streak. They 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 got it up to four games, and then they beat Dallas, a, a team who you know obviously they're in the battle for in the uh, playoff spot. Yeah, and I think with this one, um, you have to give most of the credit to Ryan Miller and the way he played in this game. I mean, the Ducks were outshot forty-one to seventeen. There wasn't a ton going for them. Uh, Lindholm gets the first goal of the game off the the power play. The puck kind of just bounces right to him, and it's an easy tap in. And then from there, it was pretty much all Dallas. Uh, other than Getzloff's shorthanded goal, like you said, and, and that's a, a great individual effort. It's kind of reminiscent of the Henrique goal where he flips it up in the air, lands it right between, almost in the perfect spot right behind the defender and, and just far enough out that Bishop has to question whether he should come out and get it. He waits too long. I think that's the fastest I've seen Getzloff skate in a long time, and he hustles in <laughs> behind a, a couple tired defensemen uh, on the stars for sure. Um, and he makes a good one-handed chip over Bishop and then scores from almost on the red line. It, it's up there for goal of the season for the Ducks, other than the fact that, that Henrik's goal probably beats it out. But it was it was a good effort to grind out and get the win, but a lot of the credit, like I said, has to go to Ryan Miller. Yeah, absolutely. The Ducks, you know, heavily outshot in this game. They leaned on him a lot. They were able to kill off all the penalties. There's, you know, like you said, there was four in there. Uh, a crazy sequence, and I mean, the place went nuts when Getzloff scored that goal. Uh, having all those calls go against them, having that great defensive effort, and that's what the Ducks had to do in the third period. I mean, they really had to hang on in this one. I mean, when the penalties kept getting called, you know, Getzloff shoots the puck over the glass, Manson shoots the puck over the glass, and it just kept snowballing. You thought, oh boy, when is Dallas going to tie this game up right now because the momentum is going in their way, and then then, you know, the way things happen, all that momentum, and, and Getzloff takes it away with that one goal. The Ducks hang on a win. Um, hopefully you didn't leave early because in the end of this game, there was a big melee at the end. Uh, you saw Henrique. He uh, kind of slashed uh, Klingberg's uh, glove. They had some words. Then everybody got tangled up in there. Uh, and and Getzloff, uh, I don't remember who he went, but I was watching him. I was there in person. He went and grabbed somebody on Dallas and almost threw him on the ice. And um, it was just crazy, I mean, to see the Ducks beat them. But they really frustrated Dallas, Eddie. I mean, they had four power plays in a row, 41 shots. They could not get a goal, and the Ducks pulled it out in this one. Yeah, uh, I mean, like you said, they, they frustrated them a lot. Uh, being able to, the penalty kill, this is the best we, we've seen it really in a long stretch. And, and especially, I mean, killing off two five-on-threes is, is huge for them, but... Yeah, I mean, again, I'm reiterating, but uh, a lot of the credit has to go to Ryan Miller and the way he played in this game. He was the ultimate frustrator of the Dallas Stars in this one, stopping all 41 shots. And, and a great game for him to come back in and rebound after a couple difficult performances, uh, other than the, the third period he was in before where he, he played very well. But it's nice to see him come in and get a start and do well. Uh, it's a big two points against a team the Ducks are fighting for in the wild card spot. So it was a, at the time, it was a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. This was the game that you and I talked about on last week's show. We said it was going to be the tough one. You know, we hoped that they were going to win, and then they did. 
We also learned during this week that Gibson was going to be placed on the IR and he wasn't going to play in the two games over the weekend against Arizona and Edmonton. So Miller stayed in net for both of those games. These were the two games that we weren't worried about, but unfortunately the Ducks only came away with one point in these two games. Um, They went into Arizona and I really don't understand what happened in this game. I mean, I, I mean, I understand, but I just don't get why I guess is they, they, they got shots in this game more so than they did in the Dallas game, but a lot of the shots were on the perimeter, not really a lot of secondary chances, not a lot of pressure in front of the net. And honestly, this game really could have gone to overtime. Uh, Jason Demers gets a goal, which kind of handcuffs Miller early in the game. Uh, there was some question if there was goalie interference. You know, you, you could comment on it. I, I really didn't think there was. I think he just, I think he just got a little distracted, and, and the way the puck kind of floated above him, it was just kind of a, a strange goal. And, and you know, Arizona basically just took it from there. They ended up getting, you know, that that late empty netter. But um, you know, not really a good effort in this game. I think it was disappointing. We even specifically pointed this out on social media that the Ducks needed to not look ahead to Edmonton. They needed to focus on this game and. Uh, this one was just really disappointing, Eddie. I mean, you're playing an Arizona team that's last in the Pacific, last in the Western Conference, and you know you can't even scratch out not even one point, let alone two, uh, in Arizona. Yeah, this is a game you have to win at this point in the season. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of the game against Detroit, where we looked at it and the offense was anemic, and and the Ducks just really couldn't get anything going against a team they they really should be able to to play well against. And and this game is is very similar to that one, and. It's disappointing. I mean, that's that's all you can really say for this effort is is really they got outshot 38-26 against Arizona. Uh, the penalty kill was the only bright spot in this one. The Ducks had, had four times they had to be on the PK, and, and they were perfect. But, um, you know, the Demers goal is unfortunate. Miller just didn't really seem set. I didn't think it was really goaltender interference. Uh, if the puck had gone in sooner after the contact, then maybe, but... I think Miller had a time to reset himself, and, and he just didn't. Uh, he didn't get back in time, uh, and the shot kind of fools him, and that's a little bit on him. And then from there, it was just there wasn't anything going on. The, the Coyotes got a couple chances. Ducks didn't really get much going offensively. Ronta played a, a pretty strong game, and, and that was it. The, the Coyotes kind of suffocated them, which is a team that shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what a lot of people I saw, you know, a lot of the comments out there was this game was boring. I was sleeping during it. You know, that's what a lot of people were saying. They they were watching this game and it it was just a disinteresting game, which I I mean, I have to agree. I mean, this game, it's just frustrating because you're playing the Arizona team that, you you know, you got to get these two points. Ducks had a chance to jump up in the standings with a win. They don't get it done. Um, I really thought that they at least deserved a, a, a point just because the Ducks did play decent defense in this game. Yeah, they gave up 38 shots, but I mean, they, they played okay defensively. It was just the offense in this game that, that to me was just really lackluster. There wasn't much of a punch. There wasn't much of a, you know, a forecheck. Um, I think the, uh, on the night they talked about quality scoring chances, and I believe it was only like three or four that they had said, which is, is just terrible. You know, you want to generate you know, anywhere from eight to, to at least a dozen a game. And, and they only had, you know, three or four. So kind of lackluster there. That was, you know, the part that was frustrating. And, you know, that they knew that they had to play Edmonton the next day. And it, it's just a really weird, they, they go from playing pretty decent defense, no offense. And then they go into Edmonton and Edmonton, they play like no defense. And then a lot of offense, well, at least a lot of late offense, you know, yeah. if, you, if you stayed around for the whole game, this one against the Oilers, another one we thought the Ducks would you know, win. They end up scratching out a point, thank God, to Ricard Raquel's hat trick. But, you know, the Ducks got down early in this one, um, gets off fans on a pass, ends up uh, giving it to uh, uh, the Oilers, and Dreisaitl goes in and scores, uh, you know, to make it one nothing, 13 seconds just into the game. Uh, Raquel did answer back, and then we just kind of went back and forth and back and forth, and um, you know, Edmonton uh, basically had the lead uh, in the third period. The, the Ducks pulled back. They got within to four to three. Edmonton scored again. They were up five to three. You kind of thought the Ducks were were done. They did have a late power play. They couldn't score on that. Um, then they go nuts. You know, they pull the goalie. Uh, Ricardo Cal scores. You know, about 13, 14 seconds apart in the final. You know, 21 seconds of the game to force the overtime. Uh, Miller keeps them in it in the overtime. There were a couple great chances by Edmonton, and then of course the Ducks lose in the shootout. So a roller coaster game back and forth. The Ducks never led in this game. Uh, they were trying to play catch up. Uh, 
But really frustrating to me, Eddie. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. You see Raquel get his first hat trick, which is kind of wasted because they lost. And yeah, they came back. But this is an Edmonton team that uh, they shouldn't have really gotten down and given up five goals in, in you know, uh, just over two periods of play. Yeah, it was a quick transition, like you said, from playing good or decent defensively against Arizona with bad offense to switching it around full 360 against uh, against Edmonton. And really, I mean, the defense was not great in this game. There was a lot of odd man rushes for Edmonton at, at multiple times throughout the game. Some of them led to goals, other than to high quality chances. And uh, in all honesty, I thought it was a, a poor game for Cam Fowler. He was a, a direct uh, cause of a couple goals where he just kind of lost his man in front. And uh, and it didn't really didn't really make any effort to cover him. I, I think it was on uh, the play that where McDavid hit the post, um, and it was Packerinen who got the the goal. I think that was the Edmonton's uh, fifth goal of the game, where McDavid, McDavid comes off a good rush, hits the post, and, and then Packerinen and, and Fowler are battling behind the net, and Fowler just kind of skates away from him, and Packerinen goes right to the front of the net, and it is a great pass from McDavid, but that's. Now, that's a play for Fowler where he's got to make sure he's got the guy covered. And, and there was a couple times in the game where he's victimized for, for not uh, having his man. So that was an issue in this game. But it was exciting despite the poor defense um, with Raquel getting two late goals reminiscent of, of the comeback in Catella against the Oilers in the playoffs in Game 5. And really, I mean, for anybody that, that ended up leaving early, it was unfortunate because it was such an exciting game and it was just, it was uh, something we didn't expect. I mean, I was drawing up uh, notes and writing the fact that this game was over and this is going to be disappointing going into the trade deadline with about a minute to go. And then Raquel scores, obviously, with 20 seconds left and then with five seconds left. Uh, and it was just insane. And it didn't even stop there. The overtime period was insane. It was a end-to-end, a lot of chances. Miller was great. Uh, Getzloff hit the post, Raquel was denied, Kasha was stopped on the breakaway. So it turned out to be an exciting game, but it was unfortunate again that the Ducks were only able to get one point out of it. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely exciting toward, towards, I mean, a lot of scoring, obviously 10 goals in regulation. You don't see that all the time, so that, that made it exciting. And it was back and forth. You know, it, it seemed like every time Edmonton scored, the Ducks would try and, you know, score and come back. And um, like you said, a lot of defensive uh, mishaps or breakdowns that kind of led to the Edmonton goals, which was unfortunate. And yeah, it was exciting. And you're right; it did remind me of the playoff game. You know, the the comeback on Catella, where the Ducks scored three goals in about three minutes. I mean, this was crazy because it was two in the final minute. I mean, I I thought they had lost. You know, I was like, dude, this game's over. You know, and they they actually came back and and proved a, uh, probably everybody else wrong. I mean, we've seen them come back before, but when you're down by two, less than a minute to go, chances are pretty slim. So, I mean, kudos to them for scratching out that one point, but then losing in the shootout was disappointing. Obviously, Mc, uh, Connor McDavid with the dagger there on the um, the shootout to finish it. Uh, just kind of frustrating. And, you know, it, it, it we really thought that the Ducks, after they beat Dallas, they really could have had a six-game winning streak going into the trade deadline and really pumped it up. And then after these two games, you're sitting there going, uh-oh, they're not really showing Murray a whole lot. And so... We go into the deadline, or actually right before the deadline, the Ducks do make one move. They said that they did pick up uh, Chris Kelly. He was playing on the Canadian ice hockey team for the Olympics. Uh, used to play in the NHL. Was actually in the AHL this current uh, year. So they, they picked him up uh, before the trade deadline, and and you know during this past weekend, I, you know a lot of people are saying, well, why they get this guy? What's the deal? You actually called it too when uh it came out on twitter they were saying oh you know they think that uh, bob's gonna pick up someone from that olympic team and <laughs> it was funny because you were the first one to go hey chris kelly and then lo and behold it's chris kelly so what did you think about this this one i mean it's not a big move and i know some people out there are going well okay why i mean it, he's cheap it's only a million something contract prorated so it's not going to cost a lot but as far as any kind of offensive you know, power, do you think he's really going to add a lot or do you think he's going to be in San Diego? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't uh, excited when they announced it, especially when they said there was interest in, in a, a Olympic player from, from Team Canada. I kind of just assumed it was Chris Kelly because there was previous reports that the Western Conference team was looking at Chris Kelly to bring him in, and, and I right when I saw that Anaheim had signed a player for the Canadian Olympic team, I just kind of put two and two together, and I was like, yeah, that's a... That's a Bob Murray type of deal right there, but doesn't add much to this team, really anything. Um, I feel like he'll start in San Diego, especially because Vermette wasn't dealt at the deadline, which would have been an obvious replacement if he was. 
So, uh, again, I mean, I guess it adds depth to the fourth line. I don't see Kelly really playing anywhere above the fourth line. So, Or it helps out San Diego after they lose Eric Fair. So, not, nothing big. Obviously not a headliner. We were expecting more and obviously didn't materialize. But, uh, I mean, I can't sit here and complain. I don't think he's going to play enough where it's going to really harm the Ducks. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think maybe more of a San Diego fill-in or if he's with the, the Ducks, you know, bottom six forward at best. And, yeah, uh, you know, after all that, we um, had different reports come out. The trade deadline, you know, just happened. Um, you know, between uh, Sunday and Monday morning, we heard all this stuff. We put out some info and everything. We heard that the Ducks were in on uh, Kane. They were in on Bannock. Um, you had brought up Tatar, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, and then the morning of the deadline, uh, we learned that uh, the Ducks are interested in Jack Johnson and Patrick Reddy. So we did our live show, which we ended up doing about five hours. We just completed a little while ago, so we took a break to do this. Also because of Murray's uh, conference, uh, we wanted to see what he was going to say. But uh, first off, I, I just want to thank everybody for coming on the show. We had uh, like, like close to 200 people that came in and out of the show. It was on YouTube and Google Hangouts. It's kind of the first time we did that. I think it went pretty well. We kind of alternated through two different chat rooms. And if we didn't get to all your questions or comments, you know, we apologize. It's just... Trying to watch, I was trying to watch. Like I had uh, tweet deck open. I was trying to open or, or watch. You know all these uh, tweets coming in at the same time. You know on the other computer watching the comments and Eddie and I going back and forth. It was a lot of fun um, doing that, Eddie. Other than that, the Ducks really didn't do a whole lot. We're, you know we'll talk about the moves here and the only one that the Ducks made, which I know everybody was super excited about, was Chris Wagner ends up going to the Islanders for Jason Shamira. It was kind of weird because we had seen um, on the live show, I had mentioned that Wagner's dad asked about getting an Islanders jersey. So I go, hmm, maybe he's going to the Islanders, you know, two and two, like you said. And then, lo and behold, five minutes later, the trade's announced. Um, I don't really have anything good to say about this trade, unfortunately. Um, if, if you're at home wanting us to make <laughs> you feel better about these moves, I'm just going to be a realist right now. And, and no, I, I don't like this move. A lot of you know that Chris Wagner is one of my favorites. And that I do uh, engage with his family on social media and talk about different things going on with the team. And um, I'm just uh, I'm not really happy. I, I think it's just a, it's a wash or maybe worse getting Jason Shamira. You're, you're taking a 26-year-old and getting a 38-year-old. And I just don't understand this move at all. Um, you're swapping bottom six or bottom four, uh, uh, fourth line, um, you know, forwards. I I don't understand it at all, Eddie. I don't know if there's anything you see in it. I just this move just kind of I don't know, just kind of frustrated me after you know nothing was done, which will go about all the other players that the Ducks were interested in. But this one, it just was a head scratcher. Yeah, and first of all, I want to reiterate what you said. I mean, it was great for everybody that came out today. We we had a, well, we had a blast, even though the Ducks didn't do anything for for the five hours that we were live and. Uh, I think at one point we peaked about 80, 90 people at a time when it was the the panic was set in when <laughs> all the deals were going place. People were jumping in and and uh, getting anxious when the when John Shannon tweeted out that Patrietti was uh, that the Ducks were looking at Patrietti. So that was pretty exciting. But getting to the Wagner trade, funny thing that came about on how we found about found out about the trade is is Wagner's dad had tweeted out that he was looking for an Islanders jersey or if anybody could find him an Islanders jersey. And that's kind of how it broke for us in the chat. I mean, everybody everybody in the chat essentially found out about the trade before anybody else on Twitter because we were looking at that trade and, and wondering, well, maybe Chris Wagner got traded to the Islanders, but we didn't know what it would be for. And then, of course, about five minutes later, we see the official tweet from the Islanders' uh, Twitter account saying that Chimera had been traded for Wagner, which was which is pretty funny that the way we ended up finding about the trade. But... Uh, kind of analyzing it, it, it's really, you know, it doesn't move the needle. It's a, a lateral trade in a sense. I mean, Wagner and Chimera are going to bring the same thing to the lineup. Uh, there's no real difference between them other than the fact that Chimera's 38 and Wagner's a lot younger. Um, I don't see how it makes any sense. Uh, Murray, I think he said that it, it helps bring in a more veteran presence to this lineup. I don't really see how that benefits the Ducks in any way, really. Um, you know, you could have brought Wagner back and resigned him next year and had him for, for the foreseeable future in the same role that Shamara is going to play for pretty much just this season and most likely retire. So I don't get it. I would have rather kept a hold of Wagner if they, if they play the same role. 
Um, we'll see what Shamari can do. Maybe he ends up doing really well. You never know. Bob always finds these bargain guys who end up doing, who end up playing well. So maybe Shamari comes in and slots in on the fourth or even the, the third line and, and plays well and, and it and proves us all wrong. But as of right now, uh, I don't really see the point in the trade and it's super disappointing that it was the only trade the Ducks made. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing you can look at is kind of what you were saying about, you know, him coming in and, and, you know, being that kind of guy that turns things around, maybe. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they're not bad. I mean, last year he had 20 goals and 13 assists with the Islanders. The year before he had 20 and 20 with Washington. Um, and then he had, he had seven the previous year and then 15. So, I mean, you know, he's had some decent years scoring. It's not not terrible. He's averaging, you know, about 15 goals, um, you know, over the last four years and, you know, obviously 20 in the last two. But then you look at this year and he's having a down year. He's only had two goals in 58 games. So, you know, that's the thing. I, I, if he can turn that around and start scoring some more goals, um, maybe he'll be a little bit more of an added offensive punch than Wagner. That's the only thing I can really see that that – that Murray's really looking at at this one, but yeah, like you said, I, I just don't think it's it's going to be a significant trade to you know make a whole lot uh, of a difference. And that's kind of what we were talking about with all these other players that were available that we had talked about uh, Vanek and Kane, and you had brought up Tatar, which ended up getting traded today. We'll talk about that, and then obviously Johnson and Pacioretty came out. So we'll kind of go kind of go through these. We'll basically just kind of go through how the trades, I guess, in order how they went down. Um, and then we can kind of talk about, I guess, the problems that you and I saw with some of this. I know I, I alluded to it on Twitter. If you saw my personal account um, the day before, I had mentioned that you know trading a first-round pick or draft picks, uh, you know, that are in, the, in that topper area are going to be hard, and any top prospects are going to be hard. And that's kind of what happened. We found out from Murray's comments today. He wasn't big on moving a first-round pick. He wasn't big on moving top prospects, and that's kind of what happened. But you know, and I think that might have been the stumbling block in some of these. Um, we'll kind of go in order here, Eddie. I mean, I guess the first one, which is kind of upsetting, is Evander Kane. Um, he ends up, you know, eventually going to the Sharks, and they give up uh, Daniel O'Regan. They give a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, both conditional. And, you know, people start scratching their heads there because they're thinking, well, we could have given up a prospect and two draft picks to get Kane. The value kind of went down after the whole Nash thing uh, went down. And you and I talked about that as the time went down. I, I think part of the stumbling block, though, too, is that he's a rental and he's a high-cost rental. So, you know, the issue would be is if Murray was able to get him without giving up a first-round pick and being able to re-sign him. I don't know if any of those were, were ever in there for the cards, but if that was part of the deal, which it looks like it, it may have been with Buffalo, that's probably why Murray didn't go with this. But it's unfortunate, Eddie, because I, I'm not so upset that the Ducks didn't get Kane, but I'm more upset that San Jose got him because now San Jose is stronger. Yeah, and you know that kind of seemed at the time to be the going price because Ryan Hartman had went for a first and a fourth earlier on in the day. Paul Stadsny went for a first and a fourth as well. And then you get uh, Vander Kane, who ends up going for a first and a fourth, which just, I mean, it seemed to be the going rate. I know Hartman and Statsny aren't rentals, so um, it, was a, it just seemed to be kind of what the, the price was set at. But the interesting thing is, originally it had been tweeted out that Evander Kane uh, was purely a rental. The Sharks weren't looking to resign him. And the condition on the pick was that first turns into a second if uh, they don't resign Evander Kane which then makes the deal a second, a fourth in Daniel Regan, which is a pretty favorable price for half a season of Evander Kane if he gets you into the playoffs and you can make a run. So, I'm and like you said, I mean, I'm not so disappointed that he ended up getting traded. It's just the fact that he went to the Sharks, and I think that was the most disappointing thing because the Ducks don't end up doing anything. And you have Nashville, Winnipeg, Vegas, and San Jose, all the teams the Ducks are fighting to get in front of. They're all better after the trade deadline, and the Ducks only got Jason Chimera and Chris Kelly, which arguably doesn't make them better at all. So I think that's disappointing. Uh, I think the Sharks got kind of a, a deal on this. Even if they do re-sign uh, Evander Kane, you've got a top six forward for a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and, and uh, like a B-minus-C prospect. So uh, a good deal for them, unfortunately, and, and a bad deal for the Ducks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, talking about the Pacific Division teams as well, you might as well talk about your boy Tatar. Yeah. He ended up going to Vegas. And this one was kind of a surprise as far as the price. I mean, holy cow. He, he goes yeah. to Vegas from Detroit. Detroit gives up not one, not two, but three draft picks 
uh, first round, a second round, and a third round over the next uh, four years here, 2018, 2019, and 2021. And again, uh, you know, we never heard if the Ducks were in on Tatar or not. You and I obviously were, and we, we were since last season. But, I mean, man, Eddie, your guy here, he goes for three draft picks. I mean, th- this one I thought was absurd. I thought, thought maybe two at the most. Yeah, it's it's insane, and I mean, for the prices we thought he was going to go for earlier, it's definitely a higher price than we expected. Uh, I mean, Vegas can afford it. They needed some help. I, I honestly believe Tatar is better th- than the way he's played, and, and honestly, he fits what they're doing there perfectly. I, I mean, they've got him locked down for a couple more seasons. They they can afford it. They don't have any big players that they resigned. Obviously, they've they've got Marshall locked down, William Carlson. I mean, seeing you know, I know Riley Smith has a, a a role on that top line, I believe right now. But I could see them going with Marshall Carlson and Tatar as a top line, and I feel like that's going to benefit him immensely. He's going to do very well there, and and he kind of fits their style of play as well. So yes, it is a, a hefty price to give up, and I think. There's, that's why the Ducks weren't anywhere involved in this deal at all. But um, I think, you know, I, I really think with what Winnipeg and Nashville did, all of Tatar's mm-hmm. shooters kind of went out the window pretty early. And I think Vegas was looking to make some kind of addition. The, there was rumors they were in a, a pretty heavily on Eric Carlson and it didn't materialize. And I think uh, they were kind of desperate. I think they came to Detroit late and Detroit said, well, listen, if you want him, you got to pay premium for him because we're not going to give, we're not just going to give him away. He's, he's locked down. We don't have to do anything. And, uh, I think that's why Vegas ends up paying so much, but Hey, I mean, arguably that's going to be a late first round pick. Uh, they would assume it'd be a late second round pick if they can continue their success next year. And the third round pick doesn't come until 2021. So they're banking on their success this year and next year, uh, which is a good thing to do the way they're playing. And he makes them better, and, and they've got some term. And I think his contract ends when he's 30, which doesn't hurt them at all. So good move by them. Unfortunately, I would have loved him with Anaheim. Everybody knows how much I was hoping he would come over. But um, in the end, I'm kind of happy he got moved. I'm happy for him, and he'll do well in Vegas. I could buy you a Vegas jersey instead of a Ducks one. <laughs> I'm considering <laughs> buying one. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, I, I joked. I can't remember if it was on the show or social media or where it was, but we had joked that I would buy you a jersey if he came to Anaheim, which obviously that didn't happen, unfortunately. But I think part of the the you know sticking with the Pacific Division too, you know, the Knights had made that earlier deal too, where they kind of blocked uh, Broussard, um, you know, from going to the Jets. And then earlier this morning, the Jets also got Paul Stastny, which that one kind of came out of nowhere. They sent him, um, they got him from the Blues, and they sent a couple draft picks and Eric Foley, which wasn't too bad. But I think that also, you know, spurred that whole Tatar thing too, Eddie, because now the Jets have loaded up a little bit. Vegas obviously seemed concerned about them because they were in that three-way trade earlier. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting because now all of a sudden you, you see Winnipeg and as you mentioned, Nashville loading up and you see Vegas loading up. And I mean, these are, you know, the, I would say arguably the top three teams in the Western conference. Yeah. I mean, you've got the four, four best teams in the Western conference, arguably. I mean, San Jose, it's hard to put them up there, but they're a team the Ducks are fighting with. They all got better. And uh, Dallas was really the only top Western Conference team that didn't do anything. Uh, I know Calgary didn't do much either. But uh, really, the four teams that are, are really going to compete and go somewhere in the Western Conference all got better. And all, all the teams on the outside looking in didn't really do anything. Ducks didn't do anything. Flames didn't do anything. Kings didn't do anything. Dallas didn't do anything. St. Louis sold a player. They sold uh uh, Paul Statsny, and you have Colorado also, Minnesota. Not, they, nobody really did anything. The team's fighting to get in, which, I mean, that part at least benefits the Ducks. The teams they're fighting with, other than San Jose, didn't get better. So there's a good chance they could still get in with the team they have. However, when you're getting into the playoffs and you're going to have to face these teams that did get better, they're now on a net, another level compared to where you were a, a day ago. So it's going to be tough. You're looking at maybe facing San Jose in the first round, facing Vegas in the second round, and facing either Winnipeg or Nashville in the third round, and all three of those teams got better. So it's going to be a really difficult run if the Ducks are even going to try and get to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and I think that was the concern amongst you and I, especially when we talked about the shows. We, we've always felt that the Ducks could make the playoffs this year. That's never been an issue. Even in the beginning with all the injuries and all the craziness, they were able to survive all that. We felt that they could get in. The question has always been how far. 
And, you know, they let another player slip today that they could have tried to, you know, do that. And that was Thomas Vanek. We thought maybe Mm -hmm. once, uh, you know, Kane went down early and and that was done or not early, but, you know, it was uh, already done uh, before the Vanek one. We, we thought maybe that would be the option. Instead, Vanek ends up going to Columbus for not too bad of a price. I thought, you know, uh, Jokin and Amat, uh, the exchange, I think the Ducks could have gotten him for, you know, we talked about a couple of draft picks maybe. But um, he falls through the wind. Um, all the crazy news comes out about Pacioretty. And then we find out that Pacioretty is not going anywhere. We were pretty excited on the show because we knew that he still had uh, this season and next season on his contract. And he wasn't a rental, which was, you know, uh, one thing that Bob doesn't like. But they missed out on that one, too. So now now Pacioretty sits. They don't get Bannock. Kane goes to San Jose. Tatar goes to Vegas. You know, Stashney goes to Winnipeg. You see all these these people are starting to load up. Nashville's got Hartman. They're, they're doing all these things. And I think that's what's tough for fans out there. If you're listening to the show right now and you're, you're, for lack of a better term, pissed off, I I don't doubt that you would be. I, I don't think it's so much that the Ducks didn't do anything, but it's frustrating because if they're going to edge out these other teams, if they're going to edge out the L.A.s and the Dallas's and the Minnesota Wilds and get in the playoffs, which you and I, I think they still can do that, the question is they get in there, they face San Jose or Vegas in the first round, I don't like their chances. I, I just don't, and I'm not. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm trying to be a realist right now. You know, you're going to play those teams. Maybe the Ducks get out of the first round, but you know, unless they really turn it on, I mean, they have played a lot better. Uh, you know, uh, you know, barring these last two games this this past weekend, I, I think they can still make a push. But I just don't know if they're going to get over the hill with the current team that they have. Yeah, and, and let's not. Uh be all completely doom and gloom like you said the Ducks have been a lot better team since Christmas and a lot of that comes to the fact that all their their guys are healthy and 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 coming back but that doesn't excuse the fact that Bob Murray didn't do anything today and I think there's plenty of opportunity to at least do something and the Vanek trade to Columbus is is really the number one case here of, of the Ducks should have been involved in this I mean this deal comes in 11 minutes before the deadline I'm sure at this point, you know, if you're Murray, you had to know that you're probably out on Pacioretty. Kane is already gone. Yeah, you would assume you would either have felt the price of Tatar or, or at least sniffed around in that area. But, you know, Vanek goes for UC Oakland, who's a veteran, and for Tyler Mott, who's not really a prospect anymore, who Columbus had gotten from, from Chicago, I believe, in the Artemi Panarin, Brandon Saw trade. But... You know the Ducks could have easily made a deal there, and Murray was saying how he didn't want to really move his his uh, first round pick, and he was considering moving his second. I don't think it would have taken a second. I think he probably would have taken a third, and maybe a, a, another player. You know, you could have look at the similar. Could have taken for Matt and a fourth or something like that to get Thomas Vanek, and that's not that's not a big deal. I don't know why they didn't do it. Maybe Vancouver was reluctant to move to to Anaheim. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons maybe why this deal didn't to materialize, but this is this is something the Ducks should have done if they were feeling desperate at the end of uh, the deadline, and they really missed out on a golden opportunity to at least bring in somebody to help this offense. Yeah, and if you're a, a Vermette right now, you're probably really happy because yeah. <laughs> from what everybody was saying out there, it's it, you know everyone was like, oh, Vermette's going to be the one traded. Vermette's going to be the one traded. Uh, and we, we talked about him. Obviously, we also talked about Richie, um, which obviously he didn't get traded as well. So, but I agree with you. I think, man, you really you could have taken Vanek and some kind of uh, uh, packaged an offer for him for Vermette and a, and a draft pick, and he could have made a deal. That would have been done. Um, maybe it's like you said. Maybe it's you know that kind of a thing where Vancouver's in the same division. They didn't want to give the Ducks any any. You know, added uh, you know, umph uh, against the rival. Even though Vancouver's out of it, anyways, it didn't matter. But yeah, it's frustrating that that part there. I think once we knew Kane wasn't going to happen, and we thought Patch Ready, and then Patch Ready wasn't. You were like, okay, well, maybe there's at least Vanek. If Vanek doesn't happen. You're like, okay. And then we also knew your boy Tatar. That one was out of it too. So now you're looking around at offense, and you're like, oh, okay. And then the Ducks get Chimera, and you're like, yeah, cool. So I mean. I understand where everybody's, uh, you know, frustrated, and that's that's where it sat. I mean, and then you know, a couple of the other uh, late trades came in. Uh, I know some people had asked about uh, Maroon. Maroon ended up going to the New Jersey Devils, 
Uh, a, a lot of people, I, I would think, didn't want him back. I, I think some people did. But anyways, he's not coming to Anaheim, which you and I pretty much said he wasn't going to come to Anaheim. So he goes there. Um, also, the Eric Carlson sweepstakes ended up being a big nothing. He ended up staying in Ottawa. So did Bobby Ryan. There was talk about that as well. We had joked about it. Some other people had joked. Well, maybe the Ducks tried to go after Carlson and Bobby Ryan, you know, trying to fill both holes, which I don't know if that ever materialized. But, you know, the Ducks um, – didn't end up uh, getting Carlson. Uh, nobody did. And so that's where they ended up uh, at the end. Kind of disappointing, Eddie. There were still some options out there maybe to improve. And, uh, you know, the Ducks didn't do it on either side of the puck, on offense or defense. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Pat Maroon for a third-round pick and a prospect, uh, I would I would have avoided that anyway. Even, yep. even bringing it, I wasn't a fan of bringing Patrick Maroon into the lineup either way. Uh, so yeah, like you said, he ends up going to New Jersey, and, and then we get to the the blockbuster we kind of all been waiting for uh, all day. Whether it had been Patrick or Carlson or McDonough, one of them falls, one of the big names, and it's Ryan McDonough. Uh, and it was funny because we were talking about on the live show how you know all the big teams had done something, but Tampa Bay hadn't done anything all day, and you know they were rumored to be in in, in on Maroon, on Carlson, on McDonough, on a bunch of different guys, and. They pull one off late after deadline had already added closed. They get Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, and they give up a 2018 first, a conditional first in 2019 based on the fact if uh, if they win the cup this year or next year that it was a second. If it, they win, it becomes a first. They get Vladislav Nemestikov, Libor Hayek, and Brett Howden. I, I mean, this is a blockbuster to say the least. This was a, a huge deal. The Tampa, Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning, who are arguably the best team already, Get even better. So now they've got Ryan McDonough to add to, to Victor Hedman on the back end. They essentially replace Nemnestikov with JT Miller in the production up front. And um, I don't think they had to give up as much as, as people would have thought. Um, you know, the first round pick is going to be a late one, presumably the last pick if they win the Stanley Cup. And then if you win the Cup, I don't think you're too worried about giving up the second first because your ultimate goal was to win the Cup. Anyway, that's the reason you made the trade. And then you look at uh, Nemnestikov. I think they, they got away without giving up Braden Point or, or, or uh, Sergachev as well. And not to say that Nemestikov isn't a bad play, or isn't a good player, but uh, he's been playing a lot of his minutes with Stamkos and Kucherov this season, so it's really hard to judge his individual talents when you're playing with two of the best players on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then you look at the prospects. Liver Hayek plays with Steele and Mahura in, in Regina. Uh, he had a good World Junior Championship, as did Brett Howden, who's the other prospect who played for Canada in the World Junior. So it was a decent package, but I definitely thought the Rangers might have been able to get a little bit more. But, of course, when things are coming down at the deadline, you know, they still did pretty well. Yeah, I, I still say Eiserman should be in jail, man. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he steals stuff, man. Uh, he... he I swear, he, he knows what he's doing. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think they completely ripped off New York. I think it was still a decent trade for New York. But God, man, I, I, I think he got out of it a lot less unscathed than he could have been. And I, I think you're right. We talked about how towards the end of the trade deadline, the prices were going to come down. And that's what happened with uh, Kane. And that's what happened with McDonough. The only one that really, we the, the big name that we saw go up was Tatar. But we, we figured, like you said, because Vegas was battling it out because they know they, they want to really compete because Vegas is you know going all in. But Tampa Bay, man, I mean, that's a team to watch in the East. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are going to be all in over there. This was the huge trade, another one we waited for. You know, basically all, all the big big ones that we thought about, Eddie, pretty much went down. The only one was, um, you know, Carlson that didn't. And then obviously the Petrietti one came in. During the morning, we got excited, then it went back to nothing. So um, that was really, I would say, the, the biggest trade of the day uh, mm-hmm. with New York and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay definitely winning this one. Like I said, I, I still, th- I, I don't think he completely s- stole them from yeah. <laughs> New York. But, but you know, New York's trying to rebuild, and that's where they're at. And I think some of that plays into uh, basically Murray's conference call and his comments, Eddie. Um after this, we kind of waited to do the podcast after the conference call. Yeah, and he came out and basically said he didn't want to trade a first round pick. He didn't want to trade uh, out some of the top prospects. He wouldn't say he wouldn't say who he was in or not on. Which we already knew some of these by some of the reports that had come out from other sources and some of our own that we knew that he was trying to go for certain people. But I mean, he said he's happy with this team. 
he thinks that you know Kelly and Shamir are going to add some speed and 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 energize his team, which uh, I don't really know about that. I mean, I guess, but um, he's kind of putting it back on the team. He's saying that they got to figure this out and they got to you know put things together and, and do what they got to do to get going. But I mean, I get it. You put it back on the team, but I, I really thought the Ducks pushed hard in this last week, especially after his comments. Yeah, they they didn't quite do so well in these two games. Uh, you know, over the weekend, obviously they rallied against Edmonton, you know, which we had already talked about, but I don't know. I mean, I think that if the Ducks did want to make a push, I think that they did need to add somebody. You and I talked about it throughout the the morning show, the live show, whether or not they would go all in on defense or offense, or then try to add a little bit of both. And uh, they didn't really do anything. I mean, I'm sorry. Chimera is not really going to do much. He's just going to swap out with uh, Wagner. Kelly's a depth guy. And so it's just kind of interesting. I mean, those comments from Murray, they're really not that all surprising to me, Eddie. I don't know if they surprised you, but it's, it's you know, it's just kind of disappointing. I know a lot of, a lot of you know, a lot of potential was out there. And, yeah, of course, we don't know what happens behind the closed doors and on the telephone and all that kind of stuff. But it's unfortunate that if some of these deals didn't get done because he didn't want to get a first-round pick or a top prospect, you know, especially uh, Pacioretty because we had heard that, you know, that it was uh, L.A. and the Ducks that were both really in on him, which I was a little bit nervous because I didn't want L.A. to get even stronger, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at with what he said. And um, I, I, I think it leaves the fans a little bit upset and not really happy because, you know, there's a, there's a concern that the Ducks needed a little bit more for a push, and they didn't really get it today. Yeah, and you know, I understand why everybody's disappointed. I agree with it. I, I think his comments were a little bit cliche and expected. We we kind of know what he was going to say, talking about how this team should be better. The prices were too high. He brought in some veteran guys to, uh, and he said actually he made the team faster by bringing in Jason Chimera, which I think would have been true maybe five ten years ago. But um, it's it's definitely disappointing. Uh, I mean, we like you said, he he kind of said what we expected. Um, I wasn't really surprised at anything he said. Didn't want to give up his prospects or his first-round pick. Fair enough. But I think there were some deals out there you still could have made without having to give up the big pieces. I think Thomas Vanek uh, is definitely one of them. I think he was a guy the Ducks were linked with for a while. And with looking at what he went for, I don't know how the Ducks couldn't get that done. Um, just answering kind of a, you know, a question we had brought up in, in the chat on live, and I just want to discuss it here and, and looking at the prices. People were wondering what... Uh, what it would cost would have costed the Ducks to make that Ryan McDonough JT Miller deal because that would have been arguably the deal that would have helped the Ducks the most out of the ones that went down. And you now you're still looking at the same two things: a first round pick, a second round pick, possibly the same conditions on that second round pick. And then you're looking at a guy like Andre Kasha, probably Jacob Larson, uh, and and then maybe a guy like Maxim Comtois, Antoine Moran thrown in there. So. That's the type of deal you would be looking at with the Ducks, and that's an extremely high price. Of course, you get Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, but that does not sound like a Bob Murray deal to me. Um, you know, I, It'd be one I would have still considered because I think adding JT Miller and Ryan McDonough are two things the Ducks could really need. It adds to your top six forwards. It gives you that defenseman uh, to put in your top four. But unfortunately, that's not what goes down. And, and, you know, we get the same comments from Murray, it seems like, every year. And I'm not discrediting what he does. I mean, the Patrick Eves signing was great. But I think with the way this team has been playing since, since Christmas, you just have to reward the way they've been playing, especially with all the injuries at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and I mean, he, and he did bring in Henrique, too. I mean, hello, yeah. the guy's, you know, leading the, you know, the league in, in game-winning goals since that trade. You know, he, he's... Got you know already double digits and goals for the Ducks. I mean, he's been tearing it up. That third line with Richie and Casse has been doing well. I know a lot of people were in on Casse, and I knew Murray didn't want to do that from what one of my sources had told me. So I, I mean, I get that part of it, and I, I don't think the Ducks would have done Casse. I, I just think you're right. I, I think Miller and McDonough would have helped um, a couple of prospects, and Casse probably would have got it done. I, you know, I don't think Murray does it. Um, it would have been too much of a price. Um, you know, I, I, I look more at the patch ready one and that's the one where I'm, I'm kind of more upset because they could have brought him in, had him this year and next year. And that kind of brings up the topic of concern. I mentioned rebuilding a little bit with New York and that's what you and I talked about in the live show too, is, you know, I think that's the concern with this team is, you know, you have Kessler, Perry and Getzloff and they're getting up there uh, in terms of sports age, obviously. And, 
there's concern that, you know, after this season and next season, then what? Are the Ducks going to go in a full rebuild or a partial rebuild? So I think Murray's kind of looking at that and going like, well, I don't want to go through a complete rebuild. I still want to have Terry, Steele, Jones, Larson, Magna, all these guys, Comtois, all those guys. They want to have, you know, all in the system and have and bring them up, you know, to help out this team. And I, he's probably had that in the back of his mind. But to me, you know, and this is even another issue, too, that we've talked about is you may sit there at home and you see these prospects and you think every single prospect of the Ducks is awesome. And, and don't get me wrong. A lot of them are really good. But everybody thinks that their prospects are really good. And sometimes they turn out great and sometimes they don't. So the push here is do you give up a couple prospects or draft picks and mortgage a little bit of the future to try to win now? Me, I would have done it in terms of patch ready. That, that's what I would have done. Once I knew that the cane was gone, I don't know what happened with Carlson and all that kind of deal. But as far as what we'd seen out there, I, I mean, I would have done it. I would have, uh, you know, threw in one of the prospects, a couple draft picks. I would not have traded Kase. I, I, I'm with Murray on that one. I don't. I wouldn't have done that. But I think they could have gone for it, Eddie. And and then you you bring in Pacioretty. I mean, you could have offered up Richie, you could have offered up Vermette, you could have could have offered up Wagner, obviously, because they sent Tamira. So you had some of those guys you could have thrown in there and maybe some draft picks, and maybe you don't throw in Steele and Jones and all of them, or, or maybe you had to throw in one of them. But it's something that I, I probably, if I was going to go big, that's what I would have done based upon what we saw today because there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff out there um, that once things had gone off the board. But that's, that's where I'm looking at is, I mean – the window's closing for this team. They're not going to be a cup-contending team forever. And I just really think if they would have at least brought in Pacioretty or even to a lesser extent Vanek, who I, I really thought they could have got for cheap, that it would have helped this team out uh, you know, down the stretch run. What it feels like to me is Murray's kind of sticking by his comments that he really believes his team is going to be a lot better next year even with the same guys. Right. Um, it just kind of seems like that's what he was doing. He was looking at different things, seeing what was available. He didn't want to play a high price because he. It, it. I don't want to say it for sure, but it almost feels like he's written off this season in a sense. You know, mm-hmm. he says if the Ducks can, if we can do well with the current team, then fine, we can do well with our current team. But that's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna pay the moon to bring in a guy at the deadline. Uh, when I could get a guy at the draft, when I firmly believe that this team is gonna be a lot better next year. Uh, and then maybe he, he does that. That's what I feel like the, the big play, if anything, from Murray is at the draft now. Um, Which is typical. Still, yeah, and Patrick is still out there. You know what I mean? There's going to be more right. suitors for him at the, at the draft, but he's now a purely a rental because his contract will be up at the end of next season. Uh, price might go down a bit, but again, like I said, there's going to be more people bidding for him at the draft, so it might stay around the same. But that's an interesting position for the Ducks. They still have their first-round pick. They got a second and two-thirds. So unless they trade them at the draft, they'll have four picks uh, in the first three rounds. And maybe they look at what kind of player they get uh, with their first-round pick and then decide if they want to trade any assets from there. And and I honestly think that's when a deal gets made if, if Murray wants to make this team better. Because you looked at his comments in The Athletic, he, he sincerely thinks... This team will be better come next season if everybody's healthy to start the season, which they should be. Um, and if you bring in a guy like Pacioretty in at the draft, I think that's when when Bob Murray makes uh, a big play if he considers doing that. Yeah, and that, and that's typical, and that's what we've said too. Is is when there's moves to be made, the bigger type moves usually come in the off season for the Ducks as opposed to the trade deadline. So. That's maybe what we're looking at. Um, part of this, too, is what you and I talked about, um, knowing that Winnipeg and Nashville and Vegas were going huge. And maybe he was just like, forget it. You know, we're not yeah. going to be- beat those those three teams. Even uh, San Jose, maybe to a lesser extent. I mean, they're right there with them. But now that they've got uh, Kane in the mix, I don't know. But maybe he's sitting there going, OK, I go out and I give up a bunch of my prospects or draft picks get a guy and we still lose in the first or second round then what a waste and then say that i lose that guy in the summer say he's a rental except yeah. for patch ready patch ready was one of the but even so with with patch ready as well you know then you pay a premium to get him now and of course i would have loved it but you're paying a little bit extra to get him for this playoff run and if he firmly believes that now with even with the teams adding that he can't beat nashville winnipeg san jose vegas if he doesn't firmly believe in his team what's the point of giving up those extra assets if they're significant assets and and just go with this team like i I get where he's coming from it is disappointing i think the team should have been rewarded for playing well you you look at the window and you have to win now 
but the, the the Ducks are in an interesting position where I, I feel like they they're never going to really have to go into a full rebuild if they hang on to some of their prospects. You look at the guys in their system already that are playing with the Ducks. You've got Montour, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. They're, they're relatively young. They'll still be here when the next window comes around. You've got Gibson, Raquel, Kasha. There's some base there to build around. Nick Ritchie as well. So you've got some guys to build around. And you've got Maxim Comtois, Sam Steele, Jakob Larson, uh, Max Jones. You've got all these guys coming up that can start to build the foundation of another run. And you're only really missing those two big key pieces. And, and really, if you don't think you can make a run this year, I get why he doesn't want to give up those extra assets. And maybe he does, like I said, a trade in the offseason where he doesn't have to give up as much can get you know some good players in the first three rounds of this draft coming up because it is a pretty deep draft uh, and then maybe he decides to do something there but but I, I see where he's coming from but I understand why Ducks fans are disappointed yeah and I, I think that's the key is I think we have to look at the bigger picture and part of it is the the whole you know down the road thing in the, in the rebuilding part of it and yeah I mean I, I really think that they could have gone uh, um, Bannock or Pacioretty now and done something. I mean, probably more so Bannock. Obviously, you could have got him for a lot lesser than Pacioretty. Pacioretty would have cost more. But I, I think if they would have done that, it really would have helped this team. But unfortunately, I just think that they're asking too much. Uh, in, in, in Murray's eyes, at least, he didn't want to give up Kase. He didn't want to give up a first-round pick. And he didn't want to give up some of the top prospects. I mean, so if that's the case, then there's really not a lot of trades you can make if that's your mindset. And that's where he's yeah. at. Um, I mean, and he and he did stick to his guns. I, I do, whether you like it or not. He what he said earlier before in that athletic article. He did stick to all that, Eddie. He didn't uh, waver on any of it. So he's true to his word. But yeah, I I still would have liked something if they could have worked out a decent deal. I think you know Vanek might have been at least the one to, to to get out of that. But like we said, you know, the way that it went with the divisions and some of the different teams playing each other and everything, I, I think some of the trades didn't want to get done. And, you know, that's what, you know, a lot of the fan questions, a lot of people were upset. Uh, it kind of addressed a lot of them already. But, you know, people asking about the, the, the Chimera trade, we talked about that. And, and maybe they're hoping he regains his scoring, you know, strength. And um, other people talking about, well, we're going through the core and, you know, um, the the big issue, the big concern. We had uh, one fan ask us, "Well, what about like you know the big contract guys and what's going on now?" Because I mean, it is a concern. You look at Perry; he's not scoring as much. You look at Kessler; he's not a hundred percent. And maybe those are some things that Murray looked at too, Eddie. Maybe he was sitting there going, "Well, uh, and this is kind of weird. I'm not saying that he would want this, but maybe if they don't make the playoffs, he's like, you know, well, Kessler can rest up over the summer and get better. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying that he's hoping they don't do well, but I think there is something to be said that hey, you know, the team is is kind of on the fence right now, and I don't want to mortgage the future just to, to get into the playoffs and then get knocked out right away. No, I, I agree. And you feel any first-round pick that he would have traded if he did make a move would have been protected, at least top 10 protected, because, uh, you know, the Ducks are, are barely in a playoff spot right now. And uh, you never know how things could turn in the last bit of the season. So you don't want to trade away a first-round pick if it's not protected. So I understand that. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely in an interesting transition period. I mean, we both believe they probably, probably have this year and next year left to really seriously contend. And then, you know, it's a stretch to say they would have another season after that. It's even a stretch to honestly say they can contend next year unless they add to this team because... Getzlaff, Perry, and uh, Kessler are going to be a year older. We don't know how long Getzlaff can continue what he's doing. We've already seen Perry decline. We don't know even if uh, Kessler can get healthy for next season, if he's going to be the same Ryan Kessler we're used to seeing. So who picks up the slack if you don't add anyone? Raquel's gotten better season after season, but eventually he's going to hit a ceiling. Uh, Kasha is going to get better, and, but we're probably not going to see Max Jones or Sam Steele realistically on a full-time basis next year. So, uh, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And, you know, as much as I love the Ducks to make the playoffs, it's going to be tough with the, with the team they have right now. They have been playing better since Christmas, so there is that. But, you know, like we mentioned, with all the other teams getting better around you, I, I mean, pretty much everybody added. I, I mean, Calgary added Nick Shore and, and Chris Stewart. That's not huge, but it's more than what the Ducks did. You had uh, L.A. who added... Uh, 
uh, Tobias Reeder and, and Dion Phaneuf, which is, again, more than the Ducks did. And then you've got Evander King going to San Jose. You've got the, the Winnipeg trade, the Vegas trade, the Nashville trade. you get got all these teams doing better. And meanwhile, it's really just the Ducks and the Stars were the only ones who stand pat. And, uh, I mean, you can't really fault the Stars for standing pat because they've been playing better and there's not really much they could add to that lineup. So it's really just the Ducks. So it, it's honestly, in my opinion, a big failure for the Ducks to not come out and add anything significant to this lineup. But... I understand him not wanting to move the assets at the same time. Yeah, I think part of this, too, we got to talk about is uh, I think the value of uh, Peterson has gone up now because yeah. if you, you know, we had mentioned Yarmelson before, we had talked about Jack Johnson earlier and how, oh, well, Jack Johnson might be a little bit of an upgrade on BX and Boschman, but. You know, Peterson's been in now these last, you know, a uh, week and a half or so. They've been rotating in and out BX and Boschman. So on the defense, I mean, we, we said on the last uh, show before, you know, is it a Band-Aid or a permanent solution? Well, it's at least a permanent solution for the rest of the season because yeah. that, that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, unless he's going to bring up a Magna uh, again or he's going to bring up a Larson or something like that. But in terms of the defense, for the Ducks to ride it out, that's what they're going to have to go with. And, I mean, honestly, you look at these last couple games and outside of the Edmonton game, the Ducks actually played decent defensively. I mean, they had back-to-back shutouts. Uh, they only gave up one, you know, fluky goal to Arizona. So they had three games in a row there where they looked pretty solid. And then, fortunately, the wheels kind of came off in the Edmonton game, even though they were able to come back. But the defense and some of the turnovers there, too. And it wasn't all the defense's fault. But there, there were some mistakes in that game, obviously, that, that led to the way it went down. But I think that's what they're going to do defensively now. And then you look at the offense. I mean, you have Chris Kelly. I, I don't know if he's really going to crack the lineup. But if he does, he's going to be in the bottom six. Tremere is going to obviously be in the bottom six as well. So, I, I mean, I think he's looking for Kase, uh, Henrique, and Richie to keep doing their thing. The Kessler line to probably keep doing their thing. And the Getzloff line, I, I don't really think – I mean, he might mix it up a little bit, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if he'll give Tremere or Kelly a shot higher up in the lineup. I, I don't know. I don't really see that materializing. But, yeah. um, you know, unless he maybe tries to put Tremere with uh, Kessler and Silverberg to try and get him to get back to those 20 goals he had the last couple seasons. But mm. – I mean, that may be something he does, but that's where I'm looking at the lineup now, and I really think it goes back to the point, too. We talked about the goalies on the live show. Now the issue is is you're putting a lot of pressure now on Gibson and Miller. You, you, yeah. you, didn't, upgrade, you didn't upgrade the defense, you know, and so what, what are you going to do? And, and of course, uh, you know, the knock on Gibson has been he's been getting injured, and, of course, he's on the IR right now, though he's, he's due to be ready to go come this Friday. Remember, the Ducks don't play for a while now, so we're kind of – kind of in a dead space here for a little bit but i think that's another concern is if if uh, gibson can stay healthy you know we've seen miller he's played decent and you know he's had a couple iffy games here and there but there's a lot of pressure there to be said too so i think you're gonna have to expect peterson to step up on defense rotate out uh bx and boschman then just go from there yeah i mean is as if uh, ryan miller and john gibson didn't have enough pressure already but right um no a couple things uh the only way this offense gets better right now is if somebody steps up or if, if Chimera comes into the lineup and provides more than um, than Wagner has been providing offensively, which I right. don't necessarily expect to happen. But you're going to have to have other guys step up. And, and right now it's been Henry, Kasha, and Richie really carrying the load. Getzlaff and Raquel have their game every now and then, it seems like. Obviously, last night was the, the game, but this is a line... They can't just have their game every game, every other game, I mean. They they have to be on pretty much every night and, and play a significant role. And we saw in the game against Arizona, they were non-existent. And then they come out in the game against Edmonton. Raquel gets a hat-trick, Getzlaff gets four points, and Raquel, or Perry gets three assists. So they, they just seem to have these little games where they do really well, and then they kind of disappear for it. But, I mean, that was Raquel's first goal in eight games, and he gets a hat-trick. So if the Ducks are going to do anything, that line is going to have to be more consistent uh, Henry, Kasha, and Richie are going to have to continue doing what they're doing. Hopefully, Kessler, Silverberg, Cognano can figure things out because they're going to be a not just a defensive presence for the Ducks, but the offense is going to have to pick up for those guys as well. But you know, with no addition, the offense uh, is going to have to come from the guys that are already on this team. When you look at defense, I, I think it's uh, and it's nice that Pedersen is still sticking around. I'd like to see him slowly get some more minutes. I know he got more against Edmonton after his minutes had slowly been decreasing. 
So it'd be nice to see him get around 15, 16, 17 minutes a night and see what he can really do. He's been playing on the PK because I think he's been pretty good. And I would also like to see Jakob Larson get called up and play some minutes because we haven't seen him at all this season. And it's a guy we expected to play a significant amount of time for the Ducks this year. So we've seen Magna, we've seen Walensky, we can see what they do. I would love for, for Larson to get the same shot that, that Pedersen is getting right now just to see if, if he can if he has what it takes to be in the NHL. Because imagine if, if Pedersen and Larson can be mainstays in the Ducks lineup and, and, and be you know solid defensemen for the Ducks going into the playoffs. That is a, a deadline acquisition, really, uh, if they can do that. Pedersen's already been a good addition for the Ducks, and if Larson can come up and be the player we expect... That's going to be great, but you know the Ducks aren't going to go far if Bochum and Bieksa are in the lineup at the same time. Yeah, I agree, and that's and that's been the concern for a lot of people. You know, some people don't like Bochum, and some people don't like Bieksa. It depends on which one that you're more upset about. But I think the main thing is is you don't want to have them in there at the same time. You you only want to have one. So. I guess the message really that uh, Murray's telling everybody is that he wants the team as is to to pick it up, and I think he's going to try to rely on some of the depth in um, San Diego. You know, the rosters are uh, going to be expanding here, and they're going to be able to bring up some more people. You know, obviously the Black Aces and all that, and the playoffs and whatnot. So I think that's what he's leaning towards, and and maybe he does it on the defensive side, like you said. Um, maybe it is Chris Kelly coming up, but that, that's where we're at. I mean, it's not really the trade deadline you wanted to hear. Um, we, we were we were afraid of this. We did talk about it, Eddie. We didn't think that yeah. you know nothing could happen. We got a little excited because obviously over the weekend we had heard that Murray was doing stuff, so it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything. He was in on some of these players like Vanek and Kane and Pacioretty, but nothing materialized. So that that's I think the frustrating part. It was almost. This trade deadline was almost like the Edmonton game in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you were kind of disappointed, like, oh, they're they're not you know doing much. They're down. Then all of a sudden, they're back in it. And then no, they're not. They're out. I mean, that, I guess that's the way I could kind of sum up this trade deadline is is kind of a roller coaster of emotions, which ended a, you know somewhat on a down note, unfortunately. So um, with that, I mean, the Ducks they're they're going to have some games coming up here. Um, you know, they're going to be on a break. So, you know, they're not playing for a little while. So you're going to have a few days uh, to kind of let this trade deadline soak in and see what happens. We're not going to be back with another show, obviously, for a little bit. we got to got to kind of wait till some of these games go. But we wanted to crank this out so that way you guys had, you know, immediate uh, analysis and whatnot. So the month of February is pretty much over for the Ducks. They go into the month of, uh, month of March. They're going to play Columbus and then Chicago, and then Washington. Um, we'll probably have a podcast after the Washington game. But So they're closing out the homestand on these three games, Eddie. Um, you know, To wrap up this podcast and look at this, what, do, what are you kind of looking for in the Ducks uh, in these three games coming up here out of the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy because uh, Columbus has, has gotten better with their acquisitions at the deadline. They added Ian Cole. They kept a hold of Jack Johnson. They got Thomas Vanek. So they're looking like they could be a better team. Uh, and they're, they're fighting for a playoffs right now. So they're exactly in the same position as the Ducks. Uh, Anaheim sits 6 in, in the West and Columbus 6-8 uh, in, in the East. So they're both fighting for, for their lives right now. And so it's going to be a big game for both of them. Um, then you go look at Chicago. Chicago's all but pretty much out of the playoffs right now, but it's never an easy game to play the Blackhawks, especially when they still have guys like uh, Taves and Kane in the lineup. Obviously, they, they kind of sold a bit today, trading Ryan Hartman to Nashville, but it's still going to be a difficult opponent. Probably the easiest of the three, which is something you would never expect to say about the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks, especially uh, of their recent history. And then they finish out the homestand against the Washington Capitals, which is most likely the hardest game of the the uh, the homestand here. Um, Washington, as well as playing some good hockey as of late, Ovechkin and Kuznetsov are firing on all cylinders for, for uh, the Capitals. So that's going to be a tough game. But, you know, the Ducks are going to have to put these last two games behind them and start playing some good hockey. you got to win these games at home. you got to win at least two of uh, these three games to, to put yourself in a good position because the Ducks are now on the outside looking in with the, these back-to-back losses, picking up one point out of a possible four. You know, they've they got to make up some ground on San Jose. They're going to have to make up some ground possibly on Calgary if Calgary gets to the next win. And, you know, by the time this Friday game comes around, I think Calgary might play three times. I think LA and San Jose play about at least twice before this game against... 
Columbus. I mean, the Ducks are going to actually have some games in hand probably by the time they play, and it'll be the first time we've really seen them have any games in hand. And they're going to really need some help from a lot of teams, uh, especially uh, you know the teams that are playing San Jose, Calgary, and L.A. Yeah, I agree. And even if they have games in hand, they're probably going to be on the bottom looking out come this Friday. Yeah. Uh, the only good thing is you look at the month of March, they've got eight games at home. So, you know, they got they got to put those wins together, and then they've got six games on the road. Of course, a couple of tough ones after this homestand is back-to-back Nashville and Dallas. And, you know, that Nashville's gotten stronger. Dallas is pissed off at us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to have those. And then in April, you finish with four games, three more at home, and then the last one against Arizona. So, you know, you've got 11 home games here uh, coming up. So you've got, you've got a chance. You've got to take care of business at home. So I, I look at that as a factor, but you're right. It's kind of weird. Chicago's the game that you're thinking the Ducks are going to win most likely in these next three with Columbus and Washington being the tougher teams. So they're just going to have to put together the best effort. They're going to have to start piling on the wins because, like you said, um, you know, the game, the number of games is going down. They're in the thick of things now with the Kings, uh, you know, the Sharks and the Flames. Um, it, it's going to be tough. So, like we said, we'll have a podcast most likely after the Washington game, and uh, that's when we'll pick up things. You know, right now, just hang tight. They're going to be on a break. Um, and if you like the show and you like what we do, you know, we we started this new thing called Patreon. I want you to check it out. It's a uh, p a t r e o n dot com. So it's it's uh, pay, like Patreon but with an e in there. So Patreon dot com slash Tucks and Pucks. Uh, check it out. You know, if you want to advertise your business on our show. Uh, if you want a shout out, uh, you want some cool ducks and pucks gear, um, different things like that, you can go on there and donate. Or if you just want to give a dollar, you have some loose change in your couch that you want to just pull out for us. <laughs> you know, you just go on there and you can um, donate. Uh, the show is still free. We're just trying to, you know, trying to generate some money because this thing costs money to run as far as, you know, keeping the upkeep and storing the podcasts and recording and all that stuff. And we've been getting some help lately. So we appreciate everything. You know, uh, thank you for everybody that came out today on the live show. We'll try and do more of those. We've been obviously doing more podcasts, almost a little bit, not going every seven days, but maybe four or five days. We're going to keep trying to do that. And, uh, you know, keep your heads in there and let's go Ducks.